grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Savior Jesus Christ, as found recorded in the four Gospels, we hear of Jesus before Pilate. Very early in the morning at daybreak, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. He answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me, and if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all ask, Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You are right in saying, I am. Then they said, Why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. The whole assembly rose. They found Jesus and led him from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor and handed him over to Pontius Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. But now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover, so Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Then the chief priests and the elders began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ the King. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus. Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Do you think I am a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. 
You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this he went out to the Jews and announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. The chief priests and the elders accused Jesus of many things. Pilate asked him, don't you hear how many things they are accusing you of? Jesus gave no answer. So again Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. The chief priests and the elders insisted, he stirs up the people all over Galilee by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him perform some miracle. He plied with him with many questions, but Jesus gave no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, beginning at the 26th verse. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When he saw Peter warming himself, when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you are talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is the word of the Lord. 
your brothers and sisters in Christ. What was Judas Iscariot thinking? This was one of the apostles. To collect 30 silver coins and go and betray Jesus with a kiss? Trying to look like he's noble or trying to, to look like he's being friendly? When really he has a detached a detachment of soldiers behind him, armed with weapons to arrest Jesus? At Gethsemane? What was Judas thinking? We know from Scripture that Judas was elected to be one of the 12 apostles, and even then at the election, when Jesus went and named them all, we hear that Jesus, Judas was called the betrayer. But now we hear Jesus saying that they're all going to betray him. In fact, we're told that he said, you're all going to fall away from me. And what's interesting is in, in literally in the original language, the word to, to fall away is the very word where we get our English word scandalize. So he wasn't just lightheartedly saying you're going to fall away and oh well. He was telling them, you're going to sin. And that included Peter. He even quoted a Bible passage from the Old Testament, from the book of Zechariah. I will strike the sheep, and, or I strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. And yes, this included Peter. Twice Jesus will say to Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. That's very specific. The first time he told them this was actually when they were up in the upper room. Jesus had just announced to the disciples as he was celebrating for the last time the Passover meal. The entire meal took at least several hours. It was a lot of eating and a lot of singing and, and a lot of prayer. And, of course, Jesus doing a lot of um, preaching as well as he prepared them not only for his pending death, but he'll also prepare them for his resurrection and ascension back into heaven. But he announced that one of you will betray me. And one by one, acting shocked, they all started asking questions. Surely not I, Lord, or is it I, Lord? And even Judas got in on it. Jesus made it clear that the bread that he had in his hands, he's going to dip it in the dish and give it to the one who is the betrayer. Because there was so much commotion going on, the other apostles didn't totally understand what was going on when Jesus handed Judas Iscariot that piece of bread. Satan enter entered into Judas immediately. And, Judas, and Jesus told Judas to go do what he was going to go do. And he left. Left to go betray Jesus. After that, we have the institution of the Lord's Supper. He took the very elements of, of the uh, Passover meal, but not all of them. He only used the bread and the wine. Unleavened bread and and the fruit of the vine, which is grape wine. And he passed the bread and said, this is my body, 
and he passed the cup saying that this is the blood of the new covenant. Do this for many for the forgiveness of sins and do this in remembrance of me. Following that, there was actually a dispute that arose and, and the disciples were arguing among themselves of who was the greatest. Jesus will spend a considerable amount of time um, dealing with this because this was not the first time that they argued which of them was the greatest. And it was during that argument that Judas turned to Peter and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And Peter did not want to hear this. It cannot be true. He replied back, even if I have to go to prison for you, even if I have to die for you, I will never, never disown you or deny you. And then came the words, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. There will be more activities that will go on that evening. In fact, the entire evening will end with the singing of a hymn, one of the Psalms, in fact. And then after that, Jesus took his disciples out to the Mount of Olives. He would have to go through Jerusalem, uh, through the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives to reach the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a garden Jesus oftentimes went there, and sometime during that trek, Jesus informed the disciples that you're all going to fall away, and Peter, speaking up, made it very clear that even if all fall away, I never will. Even if I have to die for you, I never will. And that word never, in the original language, comes with two negative, two negatives, two negative words. So the Greek has more than one word, and anytime they're used together, that tells me it's the strongest negative you can have in the Greek language. I oftentimes say you could translate those two words as, I will never, ever, 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 and if you need some more, ever, ever, deny you or fall away. It couldn't be possible. It just won't happen. And then Jesus told him, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. After Jesus went to Gethsemane to pray, there he would be arrested. He would first be taken to Annas, who was really a retired high priest, the Jewish appointed high priest. His son-in-law, Caiaphas, was actually the Roman appointed high priest. He was actually the leader of the entire Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And Jesus was first taken to Annas and then over to Caiaphas. And while he was in trial, and, and also understand that this trial is taking several hours Everything was not necessarily cut and dried as they interrogated Jesus, brought in witnesses, found out that the witnesses couldn't even agree. But that didn't stop them to keep interrogating and beating and spitting and, and hitting him and blindfolding him and abusing him. Meanwhile, 
the Apostle John and Peter were able to get into the courtroom. John knew somebody and was able to get Peter in. And it was during that time as they were trying to overhear what was going on and maybe even seeing what was going on that a servant girl, and we're told in one of the Gospels, it was actually the young girl was actually the keeper of the door. She came up to Peter and said, you were with that Nazarene Jesus. Peter denied it. Peter said he didn't understand and know what she was talking about. In fact, we're also told that he also said this, I am not one of them. He left and got away, and, and it could have been an hour or so later that a servant girl came up. It wasn't the same one. We know again from the other Gospels that it was another girl. In fact, the young lady was a relative of Melchus, who was the gentleman at Gethsemane, whose ear got sliced off by Peter, and whom Jesus had healed. She asked him that you must be one of them. And again, he denies it. By the way, the rooster had already crowed with the first girl's question and statement. A little while later, there would be a group of them that would come up and said, you must be one of them. You're a Galilean. His accent gave him away. And, and so now you've got Peter, who's gone from bad to worse, the servant girl of a, of a gentleman he had cut the ear off of, to now, this is insane. A group of people around him now and that are questioning him? Well, he had to prove to them that I am not. And in order to do that, he started to swear. Oh, it wasn't curse words. No, swear is taking an oath. He was calling on the very name of the Lord, calling on God's name, that he was telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help him God. And then he even, it says, the scripture says, he, he was even calling down curses. He was calling God to bring evil upon him and to punish him if he was lying, and he was lying. And then it was after that that the rooster crowed for the second time. And it was at that time that Jesus had looked at Peter. Peter broke down and went away weeping, crushed with tremendous sadness. What was he specifically crying about? By the way, Jesus, meanwhile, he's inside being interrogated, and Caiaphas had asked Jesus if he was the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One. And Jesus replied, I am. Meanwhile, Peter, more than once, is replying, I am not. Why is he in, in such... Weakness and despair? 
even though scripture doesn't specifically say, it's obvious. He was overcome with guilt. But even more than that, he was overcome with fear. Fear of punishment because Peter had sinned. Yes, Peter had sinned. He broke the very first commandment, you shall have no other God. He, re he rejected the very one who is the son of man and son of God. He didn't fear, love, and trust in God above all things. He denied the Almighty Lord and his very Savior. Peter had sinned. And as we just sang, do not take sin lightly. Don't treat sin like it's kind of on the kindergarten level. It's an oops. Well, you know you're not supposed to do that. Come on, you know better. This isn't just a kind of a slap on the hand and, or maybe you get a, gold, a good scolding, kind of get it over with, and then you can move on with your life. Peter sinned. And don't think that sin is something you can just simply ignore, sweep it under the carpet, think that it doesn't exist. How about we don't even talk about sin because it's just too depressing and, and if we ignore it and don't talk about it, then it maybe really doesn't exist. But the fact still remains. Peter sinned. Or maybe you like to treat sin like a game. You know what? I do sin. But at least it's not as bad as Peter. I really haven't denied Jesus. So Peter sins worse than mine. Yeah, he should be weeping. Yeah, let's point the finger at him. Because Peter sinned. And yet we have all sinned. If you've broken just once God's holy commands of perfect love, you have broken all of his commands. Even once, you are a sinner. No matter what kind of games you play, ignoring it, belittling it, treating like it's not a big deal, the fact still remains, you have sinned. And because you have sinned, and I have sinned, what comes with sin is guilt. Because I have fallen short of God's glory. I've gone against his holy commands. And with it comes the fear that there is death for the punishment of sin is death. And that means death in hell. Because we too have sinned. So how can we be saved? How can we ever have a clear conscience ever again? How can we really continue to live? takes an act of God. And Jesus, the very Son of God, was there to pay for the sins of the world. That criminal act that would take place at the cross, God would turn into a sacrifice for sins. And you could summarize that entire, that entire cross of Jesus with one word. Grace. Peter didn't deserve to be forgiven. But notice 
our Savior's grace in telling Peter that this was going to happen, in preparing Peter for what was about to happen, and paying for the sins of denying him. Not one of us can say we deserve to be saved too because we are sinners. But here in spite of that, our Lord would go and pay for those sins. He would pay the punishment for them. He would pay and take away the guilt for them because when he paid for our sins on the cross, he won for us forgiveness. And what does forgiveness do to guilt? It changes guilt to peace. It changes the fear of death and hell to the sure hope of heaven and eternal salvation. And all of this is ours through faith in Jesus Christ in what he has done. So even though we are by nature sinful human beings, our sins have been paid for. This is why we gather together to give all glory and praise to our Lord. For we cannot thank him enough for the very Savior that we ought to keep our eyes on. And eyes on Jesus doesn't mean that we deny him. It means we look to him with repentant hearts that cling to his grace. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.